Welcome back to the Symposium F1 podcast. This is a special pre-season edition as we look at the launches and liveries of the various teams as well as looking at the currently going on um, testing at the Bahrain circuit. I'm delighted to be joined today by Zach. Say hello. Hello, everybody. Ashwin, say hello. Hi, guys. Nice to and, see you again. And oh, Sachin. Virtually. <laughs> Sorry. Sachin, say hello. Hi. Hi. I'm glad because your internet didn't just cut out there, but we were all good. Um, let's let's start off with the testing then. Um, day one was yesterday. Hands up if you watched all eight hours of <laughs> of the racing or not racing. I may have fallen asleep at the beginning, but <laughs> I, I watched most of it, unfortunately. <laughs> that's that's a very proud effort. Um, for those who are like relatively new to F1 or just you getting into it for the first time. What what would you say is the main purpose of testing, Zach? Because we wouldn't say that it's indicative of performance, would we? Um, so what what why do we watch it? Well, yeah, it's not indicative of performance in the slightest because you've got so many different setups and runs and and what have you. The reason why um, why they test though is so they can do systems checks, so they can make sure that the cars are working properly. So they can make sure, for example, McLaren have got a new engine, so they're going to want to make sure the engine is uh it's working and just basically just to make sure the cars actually are cars um and funnily enough as i say that i've just looked on the the live testing feed and i think part of perez's um engine covers just come off so i think case in point of why you need to test to stop that sort of stuff from happening yes i think i'm about to see that um but that's a that's very good timing isn't it i mean other teams that have had struggles Sachin. Mercedes didn't look too great yesterday. Bottas had a gearbox issue very early on. Um, Hamilton said it was horrible in the car, and he actually um, beached it on the gravel again um, this morning. So uh, are we are we quietly optimistic about Mercedes' struggles? Potentially, because I guess one of the main reasons they go through testing is just to put in the miles on the car and to try and find a base setup which they can tinker and tweak for every track. If Mercedes aren't getting that runtime because of gearbox issues or because Hamilton's spinning in the gravel, which is unusual, but quite funny at the same time, um, you know, they're not going to have that base setup come Bahrain, the first race, and they may not have the initial early season advantage over Red Bull. We've seen more or less every year. So it could be interesting if they don't get onto their problems mm, yeah you, you mentioned Red Bull they started well Verstappen topped the time sheets yesterday what I thought was most interesting about yesterday Ashwin was uh was the sandstorm that happened during during the uh the testing uh, it was like kind of like that that scene from Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol when Tom Cruise like runs through the sand in his goggles it was definitely something different wasn't it yeah, it's not something you'd normally see at Barcelona in the normal testing. Um, and it was, you know, just an extra bit of um, variety that we have this year for obvious reasons, given the COVID situation that kind of did impact everything. So you have something like Sandstorm, but then on the other hand, you also have things like um, the shortened testing time. So ordinarily you'd be given six or seven days. And this was only, I think, this is only, I think, three days. And this is day two today when we're recording on the 13th of March. So, um it's a much shortened period, and as I'm sure we'll get on to, 
um, that caused difficulties and compounded difficulties for certain teams. Yep, definitely agree. Another highlight for me, and um, I know Ashton will be a huge fan of this, but I'm going to come to Sachin first, is the new, the new safety car that will be sharing duties with the old Mercedes one. The Aston Martin Vantage looks absolutely beautiful, doesn't it? It is a beauty, yes. Absolutely. In actual fact, I do also like the, the Mercedes one as well. The red Mercedes does look pretty pink. No, that's true. That's true. Um, it's it's uh, curiously the only V8 engine on the on the grid. <laughs> oh, <that's... laughs> which is which is nice. Um, but yeah, th those are my I'm highlights from testing. Like the, the, I mean, the the Vant does. It's sad that it's the only V8, but Vant the Vantage is a beautiful car. It's it's um, an improvement on the DB11 in terms of the road initiative. The DB11 was probably too clunky, and it was actually a bit of a disappointment for some people. But the Vantage was the car many people wanted the DB11 to be. And yeah, obviously it's a very beautiful car as you'd expect from Aston Martin. It's nice to see them, you know, getting involved in the sport again. They have a lot to offer and hopefully for the first time in the company's history, F1 can help them to secure some profitability um, because that's what Aston Martin have always struggled with over many years. Yeah, um, I just I just Googled Aston Martin and, and found out that they've just uh, they've just laid off like 94 people in a factory in Wales. Which is not great news. Um, we did a we did a business podcast actually on the on the symposium business podcast about uh, Aston Martin. So go and check that out as well for more more information. Definitely do. That's that's a good use of a plug right there, Zach. <laughs> I approve. Um, <laughs> right, let's move on to the main event then. Um, launches and liveries, guys. I know we have some very strong opinions, but I'm going to ask you to keep your uh, your opinions clean. Um, as, as, especially when we get to Haas. Um, nothing politically incorrect, please. Uh, let, let's move first on to, to Mercedes. Um, they came up with a quite an understated launch, I think. Um, uh, they had a little Q&A with James Allison and Toto Wolff. Um, Delivery-wise, it's, it's, it's remained pretty much the same as to Ash. They've kept the black from last year, indicating their... Uh, support for uh, various like political and non-political matters but they do have a bit of a splash of on red of red at the top of the car which i do quite like yeah it's it's a nice it's a nice nice trim they kept the black obviously from from the political from the black, uh, black lives matter protest last year um which they said they would do actually um the red is from i think their ineos sponsor which is their main sponsor it's quite nice on the top they had it last year because one of the stars was red to symbolise Nicky Lauda, who sadly um, died uh, over a year ago now, and um, they kept a lot of that, a lot of that symbolism on the top of the car because he was so important um, in building the team, and um, red was his colour, and they obviously kept it for the same initially, additionally because it's a sponsor's colour. Um, at the back of the car, they have some hints of the silver that used to lie beneath the black exterior before they changed it last year as a kind of nod to their history with the silver arrows shapes at the back, which lends the team its name. So, yeah, I mean, I think the front profile of the car looks much nicer than the side for some reason. I think the side profile here is not that impressive, but the front I, I really think is good to remark on. And I, I like the way they've integrated the colours in. I, I thought, always thought that the silver and turquoise of the Petronas worked quite well. And it seems to link with the black as well. Black's one of those colours where all other colours work with it. So 
they're always going to produce a nice livery with that. And additionally, I think from their point of view, they they, um, they like the fact that the black can hide some of their floor reforms and some of their aerodynamics as well. Um, so yeah, it's an overall nice car. Um, I think they'd be more concerned with how it's performed rather than how it looks, especially in the last day or so. But I'm sure we'll get to that later. Cheeky dig. Thoughts, guys, on the Mercedes car? Yeah, I, I like it uh, pretty much. Uh, I think they've integrated the red of the Ineos much better this year than last year. I think the, the AMG stickers at the back do are something which I wish they got rid of. Just, just had one white white. 15. I like the new uh, the red um, outline for the numbers. That looks pretty sick. Yeah, I, no, I feel like that as well. Yeah. I think yeah, the only thing really letting it down is the the AMG stickers. And, and I mean, in all honesty, I, I would just prefer it if it was just totally black at the back and not have the the silver. But I, I guess it's a nice nod to the to the fact they are the silver arrows. I think if I could start in on that, um, yeah, the AMG elements of the back just look terrible in fact y- you'd almost wonder have they actually actually overdone it I-, I think they have um i think it's a real shame though because the rest of the car actually is quite a nice looking car and then you've got an abomination on the engine cover uh, i think there would there are so many better places where they could have put silver and they chose that area it was not a good look and i don't think it will be a good look maybe amg the engine they were just like yeah you've got to put the name AMG a certain amount of times on the livery, and Mercedes just thought, I'll put them all at the back. No, I think what happened, when they were designing it, I think the, com- the control V buttons got stuck on the keyboard, <laughs> and it just sort of duplicated a million times. Yeah, no, it's kind of it's kind of in your face, isn't it? Definitely, up, up. when you look at it up close, it's just a bit, it's a bit much. Um, about the launch, uh, I thought um, presenter, was it... Who was it? It was the Channel 4 guy. Yeah, Steve um, Jones. Steve Jones. Yeah, I thought he came up with some good questions. He, he he kind of grilled Lewis Hamilton on the fact that it was only just a one-year contract um, extension for him. Uh, Sachin, Lewis was kind of kind of leaning towards the... Or, or hinting that he'd kind of achieved everything he wanted in F1 on the track-wise. And the one-year contract kind of signals the fact that he wants to continually assess his options at the end of every F1 year. Do you kind of sympathise with that? Or do you think Hamilton should be going for 10 championships? I think, basically, um, they should try, firstly, to consolidate their position. They can't suffer an an embarrassment, which means that they can't drop massively, and nor should they, you know, risk that happening. Um, at the same time, you know, they really do need to keep this winning run up, I think, because they set their standards so high that anything below even just a top top two finish would be seen as a massive disappointment, which kind of makes it hard for them because of the kind of the way that they've um, made their bed, you might say. Um, and that's why this kind of testing concerns was so um, worrying for them, um, because especially with the condensed schedule that I mentioned, they're now going to have all of their itinerary behind and they're going to have to, you know, abandon certain tests that they wanted to do. And given the fact that all the Mercedes cars seem to be slightly behind the able um, so far, this seems to be a bit alarming for them. And um, I think that they, they'll rightfully be, be slightly worried going into the season because this testing time is so invaluable. And the team that did the most racing yesterday... Um, as far as I can tell, is Red Bull, who you would say might be their closest rival. 
So Mercedes do have, I think, some some you know worries out there. Am I going to condemn them now and say they're not going to win the championship? Of course not. You know they've they've proven people wrong numerous times and seasons like 2018 where you thought that they were behind the game for a lot of it, they still managed to win. So um, I'm not condemning them at all or writing them out. And it would just be like, it would be typical Mercedes if they put in a banging performance today and put all their problems behind them. I don't know if that's going to happen, but they definitely need to sort, they definitely need to sort themselves out and try and recover as best they can because uh, due to the short schedule, this this test might already be an absolute disaster for them given the amount of time they missed yesterday. Yeah, Zach, um, what do you think of Toto Wolf when he's when he says that he's very supportive of the budget caps that are being put in place next year? He he says that it's going to make the sport more competitive and costs were spiralling. Do, do you think that he's being genuine? Um, or Because obviously a cynic might say that, you know, Mercedes kind of wants there to, you to be able to spend as much in F1 as possible with the resources that they have. Well... I have to say, I think he probably is being genuine on on the balance of things. I know that there's a very good, compelling case for Mercedes just saying, you know what, leave everything as it is, we're happy with that. But Mercedes are a manufacturer team, and there needs to be a financial benefit and incentive to doing this. And there has been for a long time because of the marketing value that winning seven titles on the drop brings. But at the same time, and we saw this with Hamilton's contract, They've become a little bit more wary of the costs involved, especially when you consider electrification in the in, in the car industry. So having a budget cap might actually be good for Mercedes because it might encourage uh, Daimler and Mercedes-Benz to stay with the team and to not sell it to Ineos or, or anyone else. So, yeah, OK, it probably competitive-wise does not help Mercedes, but actually in terms of the viability of the team, it probably does. Mm, yeah, that's good balanced view I, I i think i think i do agree with you on that one um i mean i mean well, one thing is yeah. as well i think that if if some regulatory changes or other kind of branding opportunities encourage volkswagen to get involved which we might talk about in detail another time then that will also encourage daimler to stay involved just from a, the classic um competitive point of view because then fiat will have their ferrari team Daimler can be represented directly with the works Mercedes team. Because remember, their works team used to be the McLaren team. So Daimler have been heavily involved in in Formula One for much longer than this current iterations of Mercedes have been. And then if Volkswagen come in, then that's obviously a direct point of competition that they'd want to make the most out of, especially considering that Volkswagen might be starting from, um, you know, standing start as well because of the, the, the lack of previous experience, unless they, they buy out an existing team, which also is possible. Mm. Let's let's move on to Red Bull. Um, they've kept the same livery as as last year. Uh, Tom Bellingham uh, of WTF1, a very popular YouTube uh, F1 journalistic outfit, he says that he thinks that the Red Bull livery is a modern classic. Sachin, big question mark. Do do you think that's do you think that's accurate? Um, I mean. It looks good as a livery, um, and I think that's why they kind of kept it. It's, as, it's a modern classic. I think they've only really been using this livery since like 2017. And honestly, Red Bull haven't had much success since in, since 2017. It's not like a Ferrari Red, which has won multiple championships in that color scheme, or you know the Mercedes Mercedes Silver Arrows, which have won more or less every 
all their championships in that color scheme. I don't know if you can call it a modern classic, but it does look good. So why change it? And I think kind of when we're comparing liveries, you need some sort of baseline. And I think, you know, you need these standard liveries as a baseline to compare other li- the new liveries against. So I think uh wouldn't call it a modern classic. Maybe they win something more than a race or two, maybe. <laughs> but I mean, for the moment, it's a good looking livery still. Yeah, I, I'm, I do like the matte colour, uh, the matte like blue and the way it, it sort of complements the Red Bull logo. But I don't know. I don't know if I'm weird in thinking, Zach, that I, I like there to be change within the liveries. I, I think it's bad if a livery stays the same year on year. Am I in the minority here? Well, I mean, I can see the value of keeping a livery. I think in terms of, A, you don't want to put too much resource into a livery when actually the big changes coming up are going to be uh, you know, actually elsewhere. But at the same time, it, it can create a lot of, of hype. And actually, there's an argument for Red Bull wanting to be very guarded, although admittedly that was before their engine cover fell off. Um, actually then it does make sense to keep the same livery because actually people don't really look at the car as much they think oh, okay just the same as same as the last time so i think there is an argument for changing liveries but i would argue not for teams that want to be very secretive because actually why draw attention to yourself then what, what, what benefit does that give especially if your old livery was not bad i mean red bull haven't really ever done a bad livery so i think it's probably probably okay on the balance of arms Yep, um, Ashwin. I mean, I, mean, I disagree. That... I disagree oh. strongly, just because I think I like the constant liveries every year. It's like a team's football kit. Like, remember when there was that massive outrage when Cardiff changed their kit from their home kit from blue to red because of their Malaysian owner? It's like you know, Mercedes changed theirs to black because of the Black Lives Matter proce- protest, which is fair enough. But um, usually, you know, they've been like silver for like seventy years. Likewise, you know, um, um, Ferrari have been red. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't want to change those sort of things. And even McLaren, who who were silver for many, many, many years, have 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 been one of the successful teams that have changed their liveries. But even they've gone back to their original orange that they had uh, with Bruce McLaren and around back then. So, you know, I think there is something to be said. But I mean, the irony for McLaren is that their their most famous colours are probably Marlborough. So, so but let's not go there in terms of that for them. But but yeah, I think I think you get the point. Yeah, I I, I think I understand that. I think on that though, like even with football kits, right, the the basic color stays the same, but there are a few tweaks here and there which you can like identify. Okay, that kit is from that year because I remember it had that stripe or that texture of it. And I think it's the same with F1 cars. Like if we compare last year's cars to this year's cars, especially let's say the McLaren very little visually you can differentiate between last year's McLaren and this year's McLaren. So like, even if they change the color scheme just a tiny bit, you'd be able to recognize it as this year's McLaren. I think that's what I guess a lot of the fans look for. They want to see just some sort of little tweak or some evolution of the livery so they can identify with a car and whatever success or failure it has. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You want that kind of distinction year on year. On year. Although I have to admit, the the Ferrari cars between two thousand and and two thousand and four kind of blend into one for me, um, but you know they just won every year. Um, 
on on the track wise, uh, Zach, you mentioned the fact that Red Bull perhaps are being a bit more secretive this year. They had quite an understated car launch. Um, I think that they are more serious about the title challenge and. Um, just quickly, the, the news about uh, the Honda engine, Zach, uh, the fact that Honda are exiting the sport, but Red Bull have purchased the sort of the rights to that engine and will be developing it themselves under a new company. Yeah, well, that's part of the reason why they're going to be secretive, because by giving away too much on the engine side, they will actually give away an element of what the strategy for their new business is going to be. And then, yeah, if, if they know they can challenge Mercedes, then... Yeah, you're never going to want to let your your rival know what the uh, what, what's up with your car. Although, as I was saying, it doesn't really help the case for Red Bull that the engine cover just fell off their car, and the entire power unit on the left hand side was exposed to all the cameras. So, uh, yeah, something tells me their secrecy plans might not be working quite as well as they would have liked. But it, it makes sense why you do it, though. Yeah, I think the important thing on that as well is that. It gives Red Bull a seat at the table for 2025 when the next set of engine regulations come in. So while Red Bull may not be wanting to develop their own engines, they can now lobby for what maybe external suppliers would want. If they can get like a a Porsche or something to help them develop their, their next engine, they easily can now lobby for the changes which Porsche or any other partner would want to see in the new engine formula. So that would be incredibly useful. I, get, I think that, that's an important point as yeah. well. It links to what I was saying about um, new, new manufacturers entering the sport. But I mean, Red Bull are in a difficult position because in history of F1, the team that always tends to win is the one that has the closest relationship with the engine supplier. So either it's a works team or it's a de facto works team like McLaren Mercedes was, or it's all like Red Bull Renault were with Vettel. And in Red Bull's issue is that obviously they're not a car company per se. They don't make engines that they can use um, like Mercedes do or like Ferrari do. Um, so they have to rely on being the primary customer of another engine supplier. That obviously requires negotiation and it's not something that you can gain de facto just from making your own engine. So Red Bull are always in that risky position where they really desperately always want regulatory reform to ensure that you have the best engine suppliers in the sport um, which means that you know they they can have a more of a choice and a better negotiating position to obtain their engines. And actually, I think that's important because most of the teams aren't ever going to be works teams by definition. They're going to be manufacturers who hire engines from another team. So Red Bull operating as that as that um, representative of those teams against works teams like Mercedes and Ferrari is important for the sport to remain competitive as it moves forward. I think. Because if the works teams got their cho- their choice all the time on regulations, it would just be very it would continue to be very unequal. Yeah, um, that is an interesting point, Sachin. Could you quickly explain for for everyone listening, kind of the plan for Red Bull's engine going forward? Because we know Honda are exiting the sport at the end of uh, this year, but they're still going to remain in some capacity as part of that Red Bull's team, right? Uh, not exactly. So essentially, uh, Honda have brought a whole new engine for this year. So this 2021 engine was planned for this year, and then COVID happened, they pushed it to 2022, and then they left the sport, so they brought it back forward to 2021. But Honda have promised to keep developing the engine all the way up to the end of the season. 
So essentially, Red Bull will have a new engine for 2022. Um, however, Honda will not be part of that. So essentially, Honda will sell the plans, the 2022 engine to Red Bull, along with all the manufacturing plant they have in Milton Keynes currently. But Honda won't be on the car. Honda won't, I think Red Bull are taking over a lot of the personnel are being shifted from Honda to Red Bull. And I think they are trying to get some external engine supplier in to help as a cons as a consult for consultation on how to develop their, I guess, manufacturing capabilities. But Honda won't have anything to do with Red Bull's engines at all going on from 2022. Oh, I see. Yeah, kind of what I meant was, you know, the, the new company Red Bull Powertrains Limited will incorporate some of the old Honda personnel, which is kind of where yes. that kind of integration comes in a little bit. But yeah, I, I get I get what you're saying. Honda as a company won't be a part of it. And that kind of means that Red Bull, as you said, now have that seat at the table for the next regulations, which could be really, really important. Um, let's move on to uh, the next team. And Ashwin, I think you might need to call an ambulance because the Ferrari is looking a little green. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I can't remember what sponsor it is, but they've got, if you haven't seen it, there's like a load of green stripes at the rear Mission of the winner. That's it. And I mean, to ease your, ease your pain as a Ferrari fan, I have seen other evidence that suggests that for the first race of the season, the green will be gone. So, um, so it will just be red again, which is fine. I think what's quite nice is at the back, they have this kind of maroony, darker red, like the Liverpool kits under... Um, in 2017-18 and 2018-19, that darker red at the back, because fans really found that red to be popular when uh, Ferrari had it last year for their anniversary Grand Prix. Was it their thousandth Grand Prix? Um, and um, they have that at the rear of the car as a kind of fade out, which is really nice. Um, and oddly enough, that's also where nearly all of their development tokens have been spent. It's almost like they're highlighting their work. They spent so many development tokens on the rear that they couldn't even afford the single token that it took to reform the front wing to match Mercedes and, and Red Bull's front wing. So I think that's a statement in itself. Um, but yeah, I think Ferrari's livery, if they get rid of the green, as some are speculating, it looks quite nice. Business as usual, as I say, like a football kit, pretty iconic, nothing, nothing to complain about. And um, I like the nice touch to the heritage at the rear of the car. Jump in, guys. Yeah, I mean, I I'm not the biggest fan of the the burgundy red at the back. I didn't really quite like it on the Magello 1000 uh, livery they ran. I don't quite like it. I much prefer if it's just the red just continue. And then yeah, I I I don't know what they've done with the the green Mission Winnow uh, logo they have. I've actually found a quote from Mission Winnow about their green logo, and it says that Mission Winnow always experimented with its visual identity. Much like a green screen does for film, the green arrow represents the possibility and opens up opportunity to imagine new horizons, which is absolute, you know, PR bullshit, <laughs> is what they're saying. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen on a Ferrari. <laughs> and I'm glad they get rid of it for, the you meme. know, the bring back... The memes uh, that they keep it, the things that are going to be photoshopped onto that green. Oh no! Oh, I, I hope they put a, a mission win out ban in every country you're racing from now on. You know, 
it's Philip Morris. Just just fucking ban it. I, I don't want to see it anymore. <laughs> Maybe they could green screen. Um, they can add like a red background instead, so they don't show any of it. I mean, that'll that, be that, perfect. <laughs> that statement. I didn't know that happened for Mission Winner. That is so funny. You didn't. I wish this was a video podcast. Because you would have you would have seen me and Zach just visibly cringing at that statement. Oh, dear. oh man, oh it's a disaster. Anyway, um, let's put on what Ashwin said away from delivery and more on development side. Um, as I understand it, Zach, they've used those tokens in the rear to try and improve their their rear grip, which was a real big problem for them last year. Something that Vettel really struggled with. The unstable back end well yeah exactly and it it makes sense on a lot of levels because you know the the rear end and the engine were just awful on last year's ferrari but i mean having looked at the onboards with science and leclerc this year i just don't see where the improvement is i mean did they spend all of the development tokens on a horrible green livery instead because i mean i, I really seriously <laughs> cannot see on the visuals any major improvements? I mean, there might be something maybe on the on the straights with the power, but I mean, it's a very Ferrari way of going wrong by just completely squandering the opportunity. And, and I hope that they can actually take a good step forward with these developments. But you do question whether these tokens have been used very well when you look at the onboard videos because it just doesn't look great. I mean, I know Kimi Raikkonen said that he thought the power was better in the in the Alpha. But that's not really a big claim to make when you consider it wasn't exactly a great uh, deal in the first place. Yeah, with the Ferrari, from what I know, is that they essentially their tokens have been spent on actually the gearbox and they've upgraded the, the gearbox and the whole gearbox casing. And in doing so, they've also been able to tinker with the suspension. So they have a totally new rear suspension on the car as well. And that would enable them to... I guess, um, make the packaging at the rear of the car much better and get that Coke bottle effect, which all the teams are looking at to try and maximize the amount of area of the floor, which is exposed to really help the rear down, recuperate a lot of the rear downforce loss from the, uh, the floor cutouts, essentially. So, yeah, I mean, it doesn't look too different and it doesn't, from testing, it doesn't look like it's made too much of a difference, but I think. For Ferrari, a good season would be, or an okay season would be if they recuperate a lot of that engine performance back. And if they get third in the championship, that would be exactly, I guess, the most they can really hope for. Yeah, as a fan, I think third should be the target for Ferrari this year. Um, Binotto, he's not, he wasn't too bullish about the team this this year, the, the chances this year. He's already talking about sort of 20 um 22 being sort of the i guess the the second chance for the team this year being a little bit of a write-off although they said that the straight line speed is a bit better um we'll have to see uh, as as Zach said the ferrari hasn't looked that great in testing um so let's well we can only hope as they say um on to mclaren uh as, as was mentioned before in this pod, the livery is, is basically the same, so we don't really need to discuss it. I mean, I don't think it's that bad, the orange uh, and blue sort of complement. Um, what do you guys think? 
it's a pretty nice uh, livery. Obviously, again, it's not the uh, exactly the same. Um, uh, it, it's pretty much exactly the same as it was before. Um, I think the McLaren seem very preoccupied with their sponsors always. So when you see their like new livery, they just focus on all the individual sponsors' names to the extent that um, um, you can't really see the um, um, the car um, before they show the pictures, um, which is, I guess, fair enough. Um, I think I'm McLaren. What's more interesting than the livery this year is the driver dynamic, uh, because um, you have this year. You have obviously Daniel Ricciardo replacing Carlos Sainz in the car, and both Daniel Ricciardo and Lando Norris are quite big characters. So I think that will be the target of people's eyes rather than the livery of the car, which has lost its novelty since it was changed a few years ago. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, how do you guys think it's going to pan out with with um, Norris and Ricciardo? Because Ricardo obviously was kind of the big boy at Renault and he was obviously the leader of the team over Ocon. And now you have um, Norris, who has been in that team for a very, very long time, despite Ricardo being the more established driver and a Grand Prix winner. I don't know. I think that McLaren might have a bit of a personality challenge on their hands. Yeah, I think I think you're right on that. Certainly the possibility. But at the same time, I'd be careful in jumping to that uh that answer just yet because I, I do feel as though actually in the interim period between maybe now and next season actually it's probably good for McLaren to have that have those strong personalities because I think they need to be pushed forward and with all due respect to Lando Daniel has had much more time in a, a top team and it might actually be good to have the conflicting personalities because it might actually encourage McLaren to go to that next step that they need to get to the top by having a, a, a Ricardo personality in the uh, in the team. Yeah, there's no doubt that Ricardo seems like a different animal toy. He was a happy-go-lucky guy a few years ago. He's he's definitely right now thinking this is going to be one of my last chances to win to win a world championship, and he needs to take this seriously. And and that kind of attitude from a McLaren point of view, will hopefully rub off on the rest of the team. That is definitely something to, to look forward to. Um, yeah, uh, there's not really much else to say apart from the fact that, as we mentioned earlier, they have a new Mercedes engine, which which apparently such, and Mercedes were very helpful in ha- helping it adapt to the McLaren chassis. Um, good job, Mercedes, helping the competition. Yeah, I think Mercedes are very professional in that sense. They have, everyone knows that there's a Mercedes in the back of that car, and Mercedes, even though there's not the Mercedes badge on that car, Mercedes would want its teams, its customer team to perform to a good standard. And, you know, having a scenario where McLaren have technical difficulties and retirements due to not being able to integrate their engine well doesn't look good for Mercedes. So I think it's a very professional of uh, Mercedes to to really make sure McLaren are able to optimize their engine. Mm. Another Mercedes car coming up, um, Aston Martin, the newly branded Aston Martin, away from uh, that racing, the racing point name, which I, I never liked. Um, a pretty. Well, you never said it, Lawrence. You always used to call them Force India. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Um, but thankfully, I will never have to make that mistake again because I Aston Martin. Are you great... sure? Are you sure? I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, 
I think that was a mental block, I'll be honest. Uh, I just didn't like I just hated the name so much I never wanted to say it. But anyway, the Aston Martin launch was quite fantastic, wasn't it, guys? Just like randomly having Tom Brady um, introduce the car. Daniel Craig, obviously, with his James Bond link, kind of an appropriate Aston Martin link. Um, and I, I'm not going to repeat what I've written in the in the uh, in the running order, but Ashwin is very excited at the fact that the new livery is British Racing Green. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, I I really really like the livery. It's not perfect British Racing Green, but it's so close that it still made me really happy. Like British Racing Green is slightly less bluish. It's slightly more on the on the other side whatever I, i'm not really good at describing colors i'm sorry but um yeah i mean i don't like the splashes of pink though they're very they're very rare which is good but it's really nice to see a team attempt to have a bit of british racing green which is something that was a much more common sight in f1 in f1 history um and for those of you who don't know it's basically a dark green color um it's very famous for being the color of british racing cars for nearly 100 years now in many different um formulas many different sports um and you know it's pretty iconic um and it's kind of like that bottle green color, if you're aware of that. Um, and basically, Aston Martin made an attempt to copy that color, and that's very, very nice. And honestly, the company looks to be on the up with the release of the Vantage and the Valkyrie, and then how this car links to the Valkyrie. You know, it's it's good for them. And Lawrence Stroll, who's the father of Lance Stroll, and who is, I think, one of the main stakeholders in the in the company now, um, is directing a lot of these changes and has secured his son's position in Formula One for another year, whether you think it's deserved or otherwise. Um, and um, um, as Red Bull moved to a post-Alex Albon future, um, we might see this pod focus more on uh, Lance Stroll as a focus of our weekly close examinations for mistakes. Um, and I think that, you know, Aston Martin should be a focus for that reason. But I think more broadly and more seriously, um, it's important to look at them this year. The car looks attractive, but I have no idea about its aer aerodynamic ability. Vettel seemed to get a lot of lap times in last in, in yesterday, which is good for him. Um, but we'll be paying close attention to him because he's now an enigma. He's a man that won four world championships, got close with Ferrari a couple of times, but no cigar, and had a poor, very, very poor last season in a shocking Ferrari car that was very pedestrian when their cheating mechanisms were removed. So when we now look at him, we will see whether he retains any of this talent, whether he retains any of this ability, and we'll be able to examine properly the um, extent to which he's still a quality driver, because now he's in a brand new machine, and um, you know we can look at it more impartially. I think, given the fact also that Leclerc seems to have been chosen over Vettel as the main driver at Ferrari, Vettel will have something to prove. And I hope that that gives him incentive to drive the Aston hard and add to, to squeeze everything he can out of that car. Um, on performance, I have no idea how this is going to go. I just hope that they do well because, like McLaren, I really want Aston Martin and Williams to do well as British constructors. Yeah. Um, Sachin? Yeah, uh, I agree. With, uh, well, no, actually, I don't. I, I disagree much with what Ash has just said. Um, I think I'm not too... Delivery is a bit of a disappointment in my opinion. Uh, I think, yeah, it needs to be a less a less bluey kind of green, much much more kind of a. I always like the green which the old Catrum used to have. I, I would much prefer that sort of green. And yeah, I'm not a big fan of the pink. I was really really looking forward to see some lime green like the Astons had on their GT cars and WEC, and they were so close. If there are some images online of the car having 
the lime green instead of the pink and all the driver suits having you know lime green epaulets instead of pink ones so we were so close to having the classic Aston livery and yeah I mean in terms of the launch uh, I, I absolutely hated the launch you know when I see a, a launch a car launch I want to see the car I want to see the drivers I want them to talk about F1 much like the Mercedes launch and in, instead I got this very corporate, very fancy, whole launch of the Aston Martin brand. And I, I, I just didn't want to see that. that. That's not what I'm interested in. That's not what I tuned in for. It's a whole lot of corporate bollocks, oh. you know. Maybe um, I'm just a sucker for James Bond. I just loved it. I mean, oh. I did I did enjoy the, the celebrity cameos. I think that was a very good way for them to perceive their brand. As a, as, a, as a brand launch, it was very good, but I didn't want to see a brand launch, was the problem. <laughs> and the thing is, though, Sachin, like, the thing about Aston Martin is their financials, and Zach talked about this as well, given his business background, and, and, you know, their financials have always been poor. For 100 years, their financials have been poor, and you can count on your on, on maybe one or just one and a half hands the number of years in that in that 100-year period where they've, where they've made genuine profit, right? And... Um, but but notwithstanding that, and really remarkably, they've carried on making cars for all that time, often gems of cars, things like the GB the the DB9, things like that, which which is just defined generations. Obviously, the DB5, the DB4, and the original Vantage, um, Vantage AMR, things like that. Um, and that's happened regardless of the fact that they haven't made any money. And because they've been able to make those cars, they've been able to remain on nearly all of these surveys of these sort of things one of the most coolest brands in the world along with with you know uh, swiss watchmakers um aston martin is always ranked very high among the coolest brands in the world so it doesn't it wouldn't surprise anyone that their launch in terms of brand terms was slick was cool was bond you know was like best of british all this kind of stuff that they that they specialize in right but does that mean that the car's good no idea and like um you know, and 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 that's that might be the issue, as I think Sachin might have highlighted quite well. There might be a lot of style over substance this year. They might, you know, the things like the band launch that goes well. Things like their celebrity cameos that goes well. You know, you can have Tom Brady announce your car, but then if you're going to be like two seconds behind Mercedes, it doesn't really help you, does it? Um, so I'm worried that Aston Martin might succumb to their eternal issue of style over substance. I think, which is I think kind of what Sachin was saying as well. Yeah. I, I do agree with you with that. And, you know, especially when we've always known this team as being like the underdog and that, that kind of small underdog team. And now they're totally changed in the fact they're now much bigger and have a very much, much more professionalism about them to go with their kind of luxury high end brand, which they're trying to perceive to us, which is, I guess, a change that we have to get used to. And it's kind of the change Lawrence Stroll wants to do to try and make Aston Martin. A profitable company which I'm sure he can do and has demonstrated in the past to have done but I guess on that this is where I guess Lance Stroll will come under a lot more pressure now because he's no longer a racing point driver who his daddy owns the team and you know they just tick along doing their own stuff you know Lawrence Stroll Lance Stroll is now part of the Aston Martin brand and if he doesn't perform He's not just damaging the team, he's damaging the Aston Martin brand, which, you know, if we have family and business, it's really detrimental to the business and how much 
would Lawrence Stroll want the Aston Martin brand to be hampered by his son not performing well is, is going to be a question that's going to be asked if he doesn't perform. And how the other sponsors who, are, who want to be connected to Aston Martin as this luxury brand. You know, we've seen a number of sponsors come onto the car. We've seen, you know, the Peroni 0.0, Cognizant, their new title sponsor. They want to be associated with Aston Martin because of what Lawrence Stroll is building. And if Lance Stroll is being detrimental to that, he, Lawrence may have to really consider whether he should be in the car. I mean, okay, honest question, I'll direct to Zach. Do you think that Lawrence, sorry, do you think Lance is um, a driver because of his talent or because of his dad? Like, let, let's just put it another way. If if Lance Stroll was called John Smith and his dad wasn't, you know, the owner of the team, would he be driving class to Martin now? Unlikely, isn't it? It's it's difficult to believe that they would have taken him on. But, I mean, he's got to deliver this year. I mean, he had flashes of brilliance last year when you think to the pole position in Turkey. But that was not enough. And the thing is, the Aston Martin brand and Aston Martin Lagonda has gone through so much in the last couple of years. You know, since it was launched on the London Stock Exchange, the share price has lost 82% of its value. They cannot afford to have Lance Stroll potentially making uh, a fool of himself on the global stage representing that company. Um, And that actually also bring into that, you've got to consider the uh, the effect on his teammate as well, not just as a, a view of Sebastian having to drag the team forward but also from the fact that his teammate is a is a shareholder in Aston Martin and that Lance has to deliver because otherwise not only will the relationship break down with his teammate on a racing front but it'll break down on a business front as well so there's a huge amount that could go wrong if Lance doesn't pull himself together I mean I hope he does I want to see him doing that I think everyone does because they want to see a good grid but he's got to up his game a little bit I mean, Lance Stroll is no longer a kid, right? He mentioned it himself. Going into his fifth season in F1, he's an experienced driver. He is, in in F1 terms, he's quite old. Um, so there is a lot of responsibility on his shoulders. That's actually mental, fifth season. I've seen much better drivers than him, to be frank, not make it after like two, three seasons and get axed. Fifth well, season, really, it feels like he's only been here for like three years. That's mental. Yeah, um, first season was 2017. Well, there you go. I think Zach. Well, he has been at the back of the grid for like two years in the Williams. Yeah. So I think I think that Zach's been kind of indicating what he was saying then because um, you've got to say that if if it, it he's been in Formula One for a long time now, much longer than other people. Um, if if he deserves to be still on the grid after this many years and as much success success as he's had, then Alex Albon almost, almost certainly does too. Um, deserve to, to, to remain in F1. Um, yeah, I don't, that's, I don't think that's an escapable fact. And I think Lance will know this, right? Surely he'll know this. And oh. that will impact the way he chooses to um, approach this year. Like he, he's gonna, he knows it's all on the line. Well, and if Aston Martin want to fight for a title in five years, assuming they've picked Vettel to be that challenger, then Lance Stroll has to play, will have to play that number two role. And you have to question whether he, he can even play that number two role with some of his performances over the years. And, you know, he's into his fifth season. He, will, he has to be able to play that number two role. At, mm, at the very least, yeah. 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 
Um, let's move on to uh, AlphaTauri. And if Sachin didn't like the brand launch of Aston Martin, he would have hated the AlphaTauri clothes slash car launch. What were your thoughts? I think was, the launch was better than last year's, where we had to wait, you know, 10 hours for them to do the whole fashion show before we saw the car. Uh, I would much prefer this two-minute video they posted where we, we saw the clothes, and then after that, we just saw the car. Um, I think I, I do like delivery. In, in it. Uh, I like delivery last year, and I like the fact that um, they've continued it, and they brought the, more of the blue into it, uh, mimicking more of the Red Bulls. Uh, kind of blue there as well so i i quite like it and and i like the uh the red honda uh logo on the side that's that's got to be one of the the perks of it yeah i'm undecided about this livery i'll be honest i kind of like the white and i think zach will agree with me on this that i thought that suited the the white blue combination a bit better oh absolutely i i i think it did i think it it made it stand out a bit more because you don't see that shade of blue with the white. I mean, you saw maybe blue and white with the Williams, but it wasn't quite the same. Whereas now it is a bit easier to mix it up with the uh, the Red Bull, uh, potentially. And the Aston Martin, yeah. Uh, the Aston Martin, actually the Mercedes as well. When, the, when we had the low visibility with the sandstorm yesterday, there was one point where the Mercedes and the Alpha Tauri were not too far away from each other, and it was difficult to tell the difference. Um, and I just think it's a bit of a shame what they've done with the livery. They had a really nice livery last year. And they've gone a bit too far, but who knows? Maybe that's just because of the way the brand is going. I, I think I'd like to see almost a third color that's m maybe unique to Alpha Tauri in that, even if it's a, a purple or something like that, just because otherwise it does look a bit too similar, which is kind of against the point of renaming Toro Rosso Alpha Tauri in the first place. Mm, yeah. Um, what I found really funny about the launch was the bit at the end where Gasly and Sonoda just stood like mannequins wearing like like their mum's mum's clothes next to the car. It was kind of unsettling, not gonna lie. They were like standing very, very still. <laughs> but I mean um, that wouldn't be too long ago for Sonoda, surely. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. Sachin. Um <laughs> I don't think there's much else to say about AlphaTauri, to be honest. We've spoken about the driver pairing. We've spoken how exciting it's been um, this season to watch them. So, no, that has looked quite impressive in testing, I have to say. Um, but let's move on to Alpine, uh, formerly a Renault F1, but now not. Um, you know, I thought their launch was quite cool. They had, like, some cool hologram-esque stuff. Uh, that sort of hovered around their car, which was kind of like modern and professional. Ashwin, did you did you feel the same? Yeah, I mean, um, it looked very it looked very professional. Um, I mean, I, I kind of thought that their car looked um, it looked all right. It it looked a bit kind of I, I like the kind of black, and it, it did suit like, similar to the Mercedes. It kind of goes with everything. The nice way they've integrated the French flag into into um, into into the car i think that looks quite nice especially at the rear um and and you know alpine are a pretty ancient brand as well they've got some the alpine a110 is a brilliant road car and they've got a lot of racing pedigree so i understand why renault have chosen to switch to their to, to their subsidiary's name um and i think that um 
Alpine can you know leverage that because they're an old name as well, similar to Aston Martin, and it's nice to see them making a comeback. And honestly, I think you know it'd be really nice if we see some of those old school names back. I mean, one thing I want to ask you guys on Alpine that I almost forgot to mention, but now I remember, is that in the old days, like the 70s, you used to see drivers a lot of the time start their own teams, whether Brabham, McLaren, etc. And I don't know, I know, I guess that's probably impossible now, given the apparatus and infrastructure you need for an entire F1 team. But I don't know, is it is that like something that we could soon see again? Or, you know, is that just a pipe dream or a bit of stupid nostalgia? I don't know, because the arrival of Alpine, which is a really cool, cool name in, in like other racing categories like touring cars or whatever, has, has kind of ignited that question in my mind. I, I struggle yeah. to see it. I struggle to see. I think, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there about the, uh, the resource aspects of it. I, I, I think you'd have to have a very well-resourced driver who is able to have the, the commercial sense could to Lewis do, do it? Lewis could do it. Lewis, Lewis could do it. Yeah, I don't think he would want to do it though. I don't think he'd want to, no. But I think I, maybe he's the only one that could. Um, but it just seems weird. Because obviously, you had that in the past. You had a lot of drivers actually used to start their own teams. I think you could get privateers still into the sport. I mean, there are loads of billionaires out there who would want to put their name on a team. But I don't see drivers uh, putting unless they had like some billionaire investor uh, who's a massive fan of theirs also wanting to put their name on the team i don't see it happening what could be interesting though actually saying that now you've mentioned it there is a possibility that i guess we get some of the american drivers you know we get an andretti or a penske maybe looking into f1 it's a possibility i don't think it's very likely to happen at this current moment but I don't know, seeing an Andretti uh, F1 or, or seeing Penske back, that, that would be quite exciting. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the livery. Sorry to, to interrupt this very interesting conversation, but for time reasons, we'll revisit this for sure. I think it's a really good livery. I think the blue looks fantastic. I think under lights, and we got a little bit of that. We're going to get a bit of that today. Um, the Alpine under lights, I think, will will look very, very good, like in Singapore and Bahrain and Abu Dhabi. Um, Zach, you nodded your head in approval. Yeah, I think it's stunning. I think they've done a really nice job there. I think it definitely looks better than the Renault livery. Mm, um, yeah. I think, yeah, I think the 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 way they integrate the the colours is just absolutely brilliant. And I think red, white, and blue for France, obviously. Yeah, yeah, red, white, and blue for France. The the tricolor. I think it's. Um, just a very well thought through livery. It's probably one of the few elements of that team that has been well thought through for this uh, for this year. But yeah, it's it's just a good livery. I think it would be interesting to see how it looks though in in, in the wet conditions. Because my concern is though that especially on the rear, it's it's got this sort of darker colour, and I worry if again it's all going to merge in with the AlphaTauri and the uh, and the Mercedes again. So. Uh, We've got to see on that one, but first impressions are absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I think it's probably the best delivery on the grid. In terms of that blue is absolutely godly. It's yeah, <laughs> I, I I am totally in love with that livery. It is by far the best livery on the grid. 
and we've never seen anything like it before. Like I can't remember a single F1 livery ever looking quite sleek with that kind of colour. Yeah, I mean it's a blue livery. We've seen too many of those this year, but of all the blue liveries, yeah, it is by <laughs> far the best. This shade of blue is nice, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, Cyril, uh, not Cyril, uh, <laughs> he's gone. Um, the uh, Luca De Meo was very um, bullish about his. His drivers this year, obviously, with Fernando Alonso and Ocon, um, they've got a very strong driving pair. I think, and I want a quick discussion on this because for time reasons, Ashton, I think this is one of the strongest driver lineups that we've had for years. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I like the fact that we've seen um, Sonoda come in. I think he's some some good talent. And then Schumacher as well, obviously. They're promising young talents, but then you matched it with experience at the top of the grid, genuine Grand Prix winners like Hamilton, Verstappen, Bottas, Ricardo, and um, I think honestly the 2010s have been. It sounds the 2010s have been solid for talent, better than the, better than the noughties for sure. The noughties where you know Schumacher never had to face the the kind of Alonso Vettel Hamilton until the very end of his career, right? Um, so it's better than that era. But I think that this could like if if these drivers progress and you have Leclerc and Verstappen and Norris and Sainz make the leaps that we want slash expect them to do and Russell, um, then you could really be looking at a well of talent that we haven't seen since the 90s. Um, and that that's really exciting. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, sorry to cut the shot. I know you guys have. Oh, Sachin, yeah, go on. I mean, that's all I think credit to the FIA in the with their super license. Because in the past, we've had pay drivers come in who don't aren't really that good. But now, due to the way the super license points are set out, it means really only even the pay drivers are pretty good. So, so that's all down to the FIA, I guess, and the value which F2 adds nowadays. Yeah, I definitely think the reforms to, to the F2 championship um, have, have definitely like sort of helped the progression of young drivers into F1. Um, because... In my mind, I haven't seen that. Like, so over the past sort of three, four years, the progression from F2 of people like Leclerc, you know, obviously like Norris, um, et cetera, like we haven't seen that kind of uh, jump or as many um, as many drivers making that kind of jump as we have, you know, before. So I think it's very, yeah. very good on the FIA. I guess there's also a lot of talent Mm. isn't going missing like in previous years where we've had very, very good drivers who just haven't got anywhere near to an F1 grid. But yeah. now we're seeing a lot. Well, but it's still, obviously, it is going to happen. We've had like the three suits never got close to an F1 seat. There's less and less of those cases. Yep, definitely agree. Let's move to Williams. I I mean, again, it's another blue livery. I don't I don't think it's that bad, though, Zach. I think it's, I think it's okay. They were... Their, their launch, which was going to be quite cool, I think, because they had sort of an augmented reality thing where you could sort of manipulate and view the car and, like, yourself in, in 3D. It got hacked, which is kind of a shame. But, you know, it's a nice it's a nice livery. Yeah, it's, it's all right. I mean, I think it's a clever livery in the sense that it makes the bodywork of the car look busy, which I think is good from a, a sort of trying to conceal what you're doing point of view. But I think also if you do all these stripes and stuff it does in a way make you realize they haven't it makes it makes it look like they've got more sponsors than they do because you wouldn't normally do stripes and sponsors because you 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 blur out the uh, the logos 
But yeah, they've made it look busy. I think it's a shame about their augmented reality. But actually, that seems to be the only real blip they've had so far in the pre-season. The car looks all right. I mean, Nissani was in it yesterday, so he did all right. He didn't have any major spins. Okay, Latifi has had a couple on day two. But actually, I think if, if the augmented reality blip is the worst thing that's happened to them this pre-season, I think they're actually getting away pretty lightly. You're right, Zach. You've had, uh, it fooled me as well. <laughs> I didn't notice that there weren't any sponsors on that. There were no sponsors on that engine cover. Oh, you? Oh, well, okay. Thanks for pointing that out. Now I feel I think much less of them as a team. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw a quote though about that uh, from uh, Simon Roberts, I think, or from uh, Doralton about the sponsors, and they said they purposely left it like that because they're teasing that sponsors are coming. And in the recent days, they've had announced new sponsorship partners. So we may see some more sponsors come the first race. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. We may. But in terms of delivery, I think they've got, well, they got about, what, three or four different colours on that. they got no, four or five different colours on that car. I think if they just pick three of them and put them together in a nice way, it could work. But the way they've done it, yeah, I, I think it looks quite horrendous in all honesty. They've got too many colours, and then the stripes don't work, and none of the colours work together as a cohesive livery. So I, I'm not the biggest fan of the, the Williams livery. I think it's probably one of the worst. But it, it is the worst livery on Oof. the grid. Wow. Okay. That that's a, that, I don't know. That felt like a hot I take. I think that's a me. bit. I think that's a bit harsh. Like the Ferrari with the green is pretty bad. Um. But the green won't be there for most of the races. Well, well, this livery will be there for every single race. Maybe true. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe. You kind of hope it's at the back of the grid so you don't have to see it. That's harsh. That is very harsh. <laughs> <laughs> Alfa Romeo, they've gone really with the if it ain't broke, don't change it, really. They haven't done that much with the livery. I think there's a bit more red, Ashwin, but it's pretty much similar to what it was last year, as is their driver lineup. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't really have much to say on them. They're, they're pretty similar. Um, um, it's... I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like they just want to, like, kind of keep everything constant this season and focus everything on the re- on the reforms coming in 2022. I mean, I'm not sure if it's necessarily fair to call it a write-off, but certainly won't be that worried if they're underperforming this year, given the amount of resources they're diverting to next year. Yeah, I think as was last year, I think their success this season is kind of reliant on that Ferrari power unit at the back of their 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 car. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think I kind of agree with you, Ash. I think they're just yeah, they're kind of waste not wasting a year, but they're sort of just kind of hoping to be slightly better than last year, but not really putting all their eggs in in the basket. I think an important effect of that is that I don't think Alfa Romeo have confirmed an extension to their deal with the Sauber team past this year. So if that doesn't happen, you know, Alfa Romeo or Sauber may have to put all their eggs in their basket next year to ensure they get a good result for survival. So it may be a tactical ploy that they don't work too much on this year's car because if the Alfa Romeo money doesn't come next year, they need a good result to get the money to continue. Yeah, I agree. Kimi Raikkonen looks like the most unenthused guy. Like, just always, like, oh, it's a new car. Yes, it's a new car. (laughs) 
he's not very he's not very interested, is he? Um, but on to uh, the last but definitely least uh, Haas F1 team. They didn't have really have a launch because they just sort of yeah we're, we're testing, so we're just gonna show you the car and then get out on the track. Um, <sighs> who wants to go first, guys? Zach, go on, Zach. Zach, wouldn't have a crack. God, I hate that livery. Um, <laughs> just, oh, I mean, you just look at it and you just think, yeah. What, what, what the hell were you thinking, Hass? I mean, they've almost tried to copy the Williams from last year and go all white with flashes of blue. It's as though they're just they're taping, taking on Williams's position from last year in in track performance and color. Um. God, it's awful. I mean, I can't imagine it's going to get a particularly good reception at the US Grand Prix. And Americans are <laughs> Russian flags all over it. I mean, yeah, that's going to go down well in Texas. <laughs> I mean, it's an American yeah. team with a massive Russian sponsor and flags all over the car. Like, what kind of PR... De- like, what... I just... I can't, yes, I can't find Russian the words. Car, right? like, it's a very Russian car. But, um, firstly, I mean, I don't know. I don't think... think the, I don't think that's a problem per se. Like you see a lot of the Italian livery on the Ferrari and Aston Martin is obviously British. So I don't know. I'm just confused because I thought Haas was an American team. I don't have any, I don't have any issue with them having Russian livery at all. Like, as I say, other teams have other liveries from other countries. And I mean, Mercedes being a silver is like the British racing green of Mercedes, like German cars of racing cars have always been silver. So that in itself is a national statement. So I have no issue with that at all. My issue, my issue isn't an even issue. It's just a question that I thought they were an American team, genuinely, but they have a lot of Russian flags. Is that just because of sponsorship? I think it's yeah, it's the, Eurocline, isn't it? I mean, it's interesting to know, though, if actually they're going to be allowed to keep that livery because of the anti-doping agency. Uh, you know, you're not allowed to, to compete under the Russian flag because of doping, and apparently they are investigating this livery because it might breach that ruling. So... I mean, I think people would actually be quite happy to see it go. But anyway, nonetheless. I mean, if I if we take the, the politics aside and just look at the livery as what it is, I think I quite like it. I think it's not the worst livery on the grid. I think it's probably the best livery has to produce. I'm not the biggest fan of any of the liveries. The Rich Energy one was as uninspiring as the sponsorship itself. And then... The Haas liveries have been pretty dull in general. I think this is probably Haas's best livery. I did originally think it was the American colours, not going to lie, and then I clocked up uh, the order of the colours is, is, is of Russia. Um, yeah, it's obviously an attempt by the Mazepin family to try and get the Russian flag on the car and circumvent the anti-doping uh, rules on Russian flags. Which I, I mean, personally, I don't see to F1 isn't a government-backed sport as such, really. Drivers aren't, you don't see too many drivers which are government-backed. And I don't really, I don't really, I really would like to see Mazepin just compete under the Russian flag and just avoid all the drama that goes that's going around at the moment. But it's a bit disappointing that there is this ruling and has have gone against it in this sense and just drawn more unwanted attention onto it and it's really detrimental to the Haas brand and you know if they want to get rid of this guy 
eventually he is dragging their name through the dirt along with it so, and it'd be very if it keeps going down this route it may be very difficult to recover a lot of that i guess trust which sponsors would have in in has but yeah, as delivery as delivery i quite like it and i uh, i mean there is the investigation going on by the anti-doping agency to see whether it should be removed i got a feeling it's going to stay is how kind of f1 works um but yeah I don't mind it. I agree with everything you say, apart from the fact that you like delivery, which I I firmly disagree with. The person I feel most sorry for is uh, Mick Schumacher in the other Haas car, who has to drive around, you know, the German driver has to drive around the whole year with a massive poster for the Mazepin family um, on his front wing. So, but, but the race suits look even better than the livery and Mick Schumacher does look very good in white I must say in that white race suit he well, looks get, a, get a room get a room <laughs> that sounded that sounded <laughs> wow okay I mean right. moving on swiftly um I think you know you you have the genuine questions which need to be asked uh, which we have spoken about before about Mazepin and these allegations against him right on a serious note um and you can make you can ask genuine questions there about whether Schumacher wants to be in a team with someone who's um, been alleged to do these uh, these these specific things that we all know about online. And I'm sure if you don't know about, you can search for online. It's not worth going into it here in detail. But um, that's a separate question. And I think Mick Schumacher has made the, made the calculation himself that it's worth him being in a team with Mazepin, regardless of what subsequently happens because of him, you know, getting a foothold in F1, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's probably true that Mick Schumacher eventually graduates up to Ferrari. Um, and whether that, however that happens, however long that takes, I think that's the end goal for everyone because it'll be a commercial um, bonanza. Um, and it's just about Schumacher hanging in there through all this kind of PR issues um, so that in three or four years, he can take his seat at Ferrari. Now, maybe that won't happen because maybe science and um, maybe science and, and Leclerc will put on a partnership for the ages. Um, but who knows? Um, I think that certainly is the intention for Schumacher to eventually be at Ferrari. And I think he's willing to weather the storm of this kind of PR debacle now so that he can have it pay off in five or six years. We, we do have to say, in the interest of fairness, that Mazepin has sort of admitted that he made a huge mistake with with that with those actions that you're referring to, Ashwin. Um, he's, he's, he's sort of a kind of giving his own version of the with great power comes great responsibility speech saying that you know once you come to f1 you become a role model you have to become an example to young kids and he's kind of uh kind of admitting that his actions were wrong which i think has shown has shown a level of growth which many people didn't see possible from mazapin so on that slightly optimistic note um let's let's finish up the pod here um, thank you guys for, for joining me. We'll be back uh, sometime before the Australian Grand Prix. Um, and yeah, I'm very excited for the season. As I've said, I said before to Zach before, um, this is this season because of the driver lineup, because of the potential competitiveness at the top of the grid. This, this is one of the seasons that I'm look, really, really looking forward to. Um, and I'm sure you guys feel the same way. Uh, yeah.
absolutely. Should be brilliant. So a lot of wealth, talent along the grid. Hopefully, Mercedes have come back to the pack a bit, so we get some parity going into the actual racing. Some good liveries, some bad liveries, a lot of stories. And yeah, I'm hoping for a good one this year, boys. And we're going to cover all of those stories throughout the season, so don't miss out. Um, thank you for listening, and goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.